It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Watch this one. Watch this one. And I sent it to a couple of other people that really didn't like it either so it just to me it seems like this is a talk show trying to milk uh, the situation with Marty for their own benefit like they did with Tony that failed miserably as well um, because I think you know I smartened Tony up enough to know that he was going to be absolutely buried if he said certain things um, but you know it created some clickbait you know about how we're these quote-unquote awful people that took advantage of Marty Gennetti when he was here last month so Let's go along with what Marty said in this edited version, edited version of what they put out, keep in mind. You know, it was funny. I saw some of the uh, regular Boston wrestling fans' names scrolling on the screen. So I guess that there's fans of both shows, and that's fine. You know what? If you enjoy it, you enjoy it. But um, Marty Gennetti stated he may have overdone his workouts at the hotel gym when he was here in Boston, and he likely did, causing him even more pain than he was already in. Um if you notice during the episodes that are going to air uh, over the next few months, he fidgets with the boot that he was given due to the surgery that he had, and he eventually took it off, which I don't think was a great thing. I'm not his doctor. I don't know if it was okay for him to do so, but to me, as someone that has had the problems I've had, it doesn't seem like a great idea that he took it off. He also doesn't probably shouldn't be working out. But again, you know what? Marty is an alpha male. He's an athlete. I can understand his drive and motivation to want to get better ASAP so he can have a full and active life again. He's going stir crazy. I remember I, after the accident I was in, I laid in bed for almost a year staring at the wall outside of the one day a week I would come down to the studio at that point. So I get it. I get where Marty's coming from. But again, it just seems like these people who I don't know we're trying to take advantage of the situation. After the Saturday night taping we had with Marty, 
which was June 19th, Mahdi stated on this interview, and I didn't even know this, he had a female come to his room with fill in the blank. Then Mahdi said he remembered absolutely nothing from Saturday night until he arrived at the studio around, I'm going to say, 1 p.m. on Sunday, June the 20th. He remembered nothing at that point. Then he continued to claim in his mind, and, and, and to be fair to him, he said he might remember it wrong, but he said, I tried to block him from coming into the studio. Nothing can be further from the truth. Now, do I believe that Marty maybe in his mind thinks that happens? Uh, I, I do, because he's spoken in the past on the show about how he's had hallucinations in the past. The desk that I sit at is a good 50 feet away from the door. It would have been impossible for me to block him from coming in. Uh, the studio help that was here was aghast at the condition he showed up in, uh, which we documented before. And, you know, as we spent hours trying to sober him up, they wound up leaving to enjoy Father's Day as myself and one of our great Patreon family members tried to sober him up. Proof in point in how I didn't block the door. And even though I'm not going to air it, but before we just shut things down for four hours to try and sober him up, Marty and I taped a WrestleMania 5 Rockers and Twin Towers watch-along that was horrible. He could barely speak. It was so bad I wouldn't even consider airing it in the state Marty was in. And that is, quote-unquote, unable to perform, as we say in wrestling. I didn't want to embarrass him. I didn't want to humiliate him. You know, he was hurt by some of the episodes that aired from February. Uh, again, that he chose to show up in that condition for, as an adult, I have no control over that, you know, but I understand his need to try and mask the pain with my CRPS. I'm in pain 24-7 most days, too. I get it. I sympathize with it. I empathize with it. But at the same time, we had a day like this in February that was a colossal waste of time and money. And the same could be said for June the 20th. It was a waste of time and money. I swear to God on the kids' lives, strike them dead if I am lying. I never, ever blocked Marty Gennetti from entering or leaving any door on June 20th or any day I've ever known him. The door was never locked. There are studio staff members here that can attest to that before they went home for the day. After trying to feed him and give him coffee to sober him up, uh, our super fan, who I don't want to name, as he's a, just he's a great person. I don't want to get him involved in this mess. He offered to take Marty for a little ride, get him some fresh air and so on. I thought it was a great idea if it would help. Again, the door was never locked. I never prevented him from coming in. As noted, when he's here, we need to tape as much content as possible due to the expense of having him in and the lack of time we had that day. I wanted him in the studio, not out of the studio. You know, Marty in his state of mind, whatever he thought, I didn't want to pay him for whatever reason. Um, as you can easily have seen if you watched that disaster of a live episode, when Marty made that comment, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. I literally exploded. I left the studio. I came into the room here where I kept his pay safe already in an envelope and came back and threw it at him like a ninja star. I was so pissed off and insulted in nearly 20 years of doing this. Never once have I shorted any talent one penny agreed upon when setting the booking up. Marty went on then on this talk show about how he didn't remember anything after the girl came to his room on the Saturday night. God only knows what this woman brought to the room with her if he can't remember 16 hours of his life. 
Marty then said he was unsure if he was even sent back to the hotel on Sunday afternoon, June the 20th. Let me tell you, he was not sent back to the hotel on June the 20th. We spent a great deal of time, again, trying to sober him up here in the studio. He went for a ride with our superfan that he called Eric Clapton. If they went back to the hotel, I know nothing about it, but it was nothing I requested nor wanted. I wanted him to sober up and come back into the studio so we could produce content for you guys. Marty then said in the interview that he drank and took pain pills before the live Hell in the Cell watch along, which explains him vanishing. Uh, before we went live, as I was panicking, as he lost his phone and he was gone, I had no way to reach out to him. I had no idea where he was, and that's what he was doing. Marty then again went on to say that the girl uh, he was with on the set, I lost my notes right here, the girl um, with, oh, the girl said that Marty kept calling her the wrong name on Saturday night, which would show the state of mind he was in if he couldn't even remember her name. Uh, one of the hosts asked why I kept pushing him if his pain threshold was going into overdrive. Marty did note that he had a rough spot on the Saturday, uh, and we took as many breaks as needed as we do any time Marty is here. If he needs to take a break, I'm very happy to do so. So again, this man wasn't here live, this host. Um, he's only taken Marty's version of the story, which is fine. Um, but again, I understand Marty's pain. I resonate with it. At the same time, we're paying Marty a substantial fee, along with the airfare, the hotel, the local transportation, etc., to have him here. What are we supposed to do? Produce nothing while paying all that money out? Marty then asked them, which I was happy about, he asked the, these hosts why they uh, wanted to do a hit piece on him. As I noted, this talk show reached out to me for the blocked footage of Marty uh, from the live episode. Uh, but I'm not sharing it with anyone. I don't want anyone to see Marty in that condition. Marty doesn't want to have anyone see him in that condition. I don't know these people. All I know is that they, there was some shenanigans with Tony Atlas a few months ago that I was told about by some of uh, the fans in the live premiere chats that went on that was eh, whatever the hell it was supposed to be. But again, not happening. The other host responded, he just wanted to see the footage again. That's fine, So, but he's not. So no one's going to see the footage. Uh, the host felt it was wrong that I told the fans um, about what I witnessed on Sunday night, about the disaster, that I said, Marty has major problems. Well, you know what, for better or worse, and I have said this to Marty, and I have said it to the world, I try to be as honest with you guys as humanly possible without slandering our friends when that we care about. If Marty can't remember two-thirds of a day of his life because of whatever the girl brought him on Saturday, if he's in so much pain from surgery that he can't travel without medicating himself the way he did, then yes, he does have major problems. And I say this because I care, not because I'm trying to insult him. I want Marty to have the best life possible. He's 61 years old and he still has a lot that he can contribute to the industry and he still has a lot he can contribute to life. It's no secret that after I was putting out fires with angry people here above me at the studio that I spent a great deal of time trying to open doors to get Marty the help he needs, which is a lot more than fucking Captain Podcast was trying to do in New York. Marty tried to then recap the weekend. He tried to explain the hotel shuttle situation. Again, this was edited at one point. 
I'm not sure where the edit took place, but the night Marty arrived, he did. He arrived at 1 o'clock in the morning because he has to take a shuttle to get to the airport. So I try and get him on the latest flight as humanly possible. Um, and he went to the wrong place. He says he didn't. That's fine. When I spoke to him on the phone, it sounded like he had a couple of adult beverages. Um, and he then said, uh, I claimed I was going to send an Uber for him. No, 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 no. The hotel said once they shut down their shuttle service for the night, they would send an Uber to pick him up. They sent not one, but two different Ubers to go and get him. And these weren't people that were out to make Marty's life difficult. When I told the guy at the front desk who he was, he was a wrestling fan. He popped big time. He was excited that Marty was coming to the hotel. So then after Marty was in the wrong spot for the two Ubers that were sent, the hotel told me to have him take a cab in the hotel would pay for it. That ride uh, eventually picked him up, brought him to the hotel, uh, and all was well that night. So in this edited video uh, that was shown, again, trying to make us look bad, Marty himself says he overdid it by working out, which he shouldn't be doing uh, so soon after surgery. He see, said he had a woman show up to his hotel room with some kind of a substance that left him in such a condition that he did not remember 16 hours of his life and he then admitted to taking pills and drinking at the studio right before we went live and these assholes are going to put that type of a title up that he was taken advantage of on their program please you know what i could say a lot right now but eh. uh, at the end of the day I care about Marty Jannetty. I want Marty Jannetty to have the best life he can possibly have. I've stated that to Marty. I want Marty around. The fans want Marty around, but we need Marty in a condition where Marty can be Marty. So I hope these gentlemen had fun trying to get some viewers off of our work. Uh, you know, tip of the cap to you. So for all you great fans out there, I hope you continue to enjoy your 4th of July. Until we speak again, folks, you and yours, be well, stay healthy, don't be an asshole, don't drink and drive. Tickets are on sale now at bostonwrestling.com for our 20th anniversary Back to the 80s WrestleFest Saturday, November the 13th at Memorial Hall in Melrose, Mass. Wrestling fans, it's time to rock. WWE legend Marty Jannetty of the Rockers returns for three big nights, Wednesday, September the 1st through Friday, September the 3rd. Marty will be taping historical wrestling insider episodes, live specials, and cyber autograph signings. Support wrestling superstars. Pre-order autograph date by 10s now over at bostonwrestling.com. This September, get your sunglasses ready. It's time to party with Marty. This is Mick Foley. This is Harley Race. This is Shelton Benjamin. This is Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. This is the Monster Abyss. And this is Daniel Bryan. This is JBL and you're watching the MWF. Be there live. Wrestling fans around the corner around the world, welcome to a special installment of Wrestling Insiders. Not your typical um, Wrestling Insiders at your house with Tony Atlas. I recorded this version last night and it came across as angry, and it almost presumed that everyone that sees it knows what's going on. So, you know, uh, that's not reality. So what I want to do is just try and explain a little bit about what has happened over the past six months 
and go from there. Actually, six years. Uh, when Tony got involved with us, uh, Tony I had first met when working for the late Boston bad boy Tony Rumble in 1993. He came back into our orbit in the early 2010s. He became a contributor here at the studio in 2014 and became uh, a weekly part of the family and I think it was 2017, early 2018. So hundreds and hundreds of episodes of Tony uh, has been taped. Uh, dozens of studio visits and appearances have been made. Um, and it was a, what I thought was a great relationship. I genuinely cared about Tony Atlas, the human being. Um, I considered him a friend. Uh, as he stated on this program many times, I reached into my own wallet and helped him pay his mortgage and other bills he had going on at the time. In June of 2019, his wife, lovely wife, Monica, suffered a stroke. Um, and Tony lost her income, not only from her uh, social security check, but from her regular job where she worked as a seamstress. So it was a tough time for Tony. Um, you know, he, he was he's a pro wrestler. He could always be out at different times. But genuinely, someone I, I trusted and thought was a great friend, um, someone I'd go to for advice for certain things. Uh, and all was well in the world until this past February when... And some of the fans noticed this. The last re one of the last regular episodes Tony did, he debuted this logo that he painted. He wanted to do his own talk show on Facebook because he went out and bought a $200 computer with his stimulus check he was so proud of. Uh, and that turned into a complete and utter disaster. Him and his expert technological hillbilly friend up in New Hampshire, and he, uh, in Maine, I should say, did a one live video on you, uh, Facebook that was seen by about 30 people, and I don't think it did all that well, but sorry, Tony. Uh, you know, sometimes you got to put in the effort as opposed to just hitting the, the on button on a computer. But nonetheless, when Tony was last here, uh, and over re recent final visits, he was paid a substantial amount of money uh, for several drawings, a podcast, uh, our Back to the 80s WrestleFest live event, and fan reunion Saturday night, November the 13th at Memorial Hall here in Melrose, Massachusetts, when we celebrate 20 years of Boston wrestling, featuring Jake Roberts, Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, Axe and Smash Demolition, Marty Jannetty, and more to be announced. All-inclusive VIP packages and tickets are on sale now at bostonwrestling.com. Got to get that plug in. Um, but you know what? I, I want to set the record straight. This past weekend, and this is what bothers me, most of the time, there is, it's wrestling. People are going to say things out of anger. They're going to say things because they're nuts. Uh, they're going to fire bullets in your direction and whatever. I am so busy with what we have to do work-wise, I don't even pay attention to those types of things. But what Tony did this weekend was over the top. It's something that's online that someday my kids can access. Um, and, you know, I don't like that. So here's what we're going to do. I am going to, instead of ignore the situation, I'm going to confront it head-on. There is this talk show out of New York, Long Island. I like to, uh, because of the irritation they've caused me, I call the co-hosts sunglasses at night. They seem to want to be these Andrew Dice Clay and uh, Howard Stern cover bands as far as the content and of their show goes or whatever. But, um, you know, I, I, different people say different things about them. I don't know them. I don't know them. They could be great guys. On Sundays, they might go over to their grandmother's house, give them a kiss and mow the lawn for them. I don't know. But to me, they've been a pain in the ass and an irritation trying to capitalize off of the hard work we put in seven days a week. And our Boston wrestling fan base knows that to be the truth because I love you guys, and you know that. I don't know, sometimes, I don't know what you think about me, but I love you guys. But um, so 
Tony had these great claims. He had these giant crocodile tears. Big bad Dan Marotti's trying to take my social security check from me and all these other lies. And I just, I about had it. Maybe someday on Patreon at patreon.com backslash Boston Wrestling where you can access, again, hundreds of studio shoot interviews, early ad-free access to Wrestling Insiders, uh, our studio shoot interview DVD library that's been seen by millions online, millions more on the real Howard Stern, who wears his sunglasses anytime he wants to, plus all kinds of Patreon exclusives. Maybe someday I'll show you guys that video, just so you can see how angry I was um, when all this was happening. But I'm in a more zen place for a very interesting reason. But this is what I want to do. Because I don't know these two men that host this show, I don't know their backgrounds, I know next to nothing of them, and I have very little in knowing that. But as far as I know, uh, from what a couple of guys have told me, they don't go out of their way to book talent. They piggyback and they sponge off of uh, independent events in the area, conventions, autograph signings, things like that. So I don't think they truly understand, uh, you know, the, the pressure and the stress that goes along with working with some of these talents. It would be great if all I had to do was sit down, a talent is sitting here in a chair waiting for me, and I talk to them for an hour, and then they go home. When we do it, we're responsible from point A to point Z, which is from the moment they leave their house, them getting to the airport, getting through the airport, on the plane, flying to Boston, picking them up, or making sure they get to their hotel room, checking them in, paying for the hotel, making sure they're ready to go the next day on time, getting them to the TV studio, doing several episodes of the talk shows because that's the only cost-affordable way to do it, end the day, maybe go to eat, maybe get them back to the hotel, and depending upon how many days they're here, repeat that, and or make sure they're on the flight to go home the next day and they get home okay. It's a lot of work, it's a lot of pressure. And when you deal with, again, unique, eccentric personalities in a lot of cases, which if you've ever watched our show, uh, I'm sure you've seen, we do have some eccentric personalities. So again, I'm going to play devil's advocate. I'm going to pretend that these two sunglasses at night that love Corey Hart, they have no idea what that's like. So this is what I'm going to ask them to do. I imagine they're going to have Tony back because Tony, you know, is, is willing to bend over for just about anybody um, and take just about any booking he could get. I'm sure he'll be back on their talk show again. So here's what I'm going to do. Much like myself, Tony wears the cross, he claims to be a man of God. So I'm going to ask these two gentlemen if they would get a Bible for the show and have Tony put his hand on the Bible and ask him some of these questions that I've come up with because I think the fans deserve honest answers. Um, when Tony first turned uh, quote-unquote heel on us last winter when I was angry that he took this money for all this work he was supposed to do and then refused to do the work, um, he had his hillbilly friend in Maine blast me on Tony's Facebook page, which that incarnation of it no longer exists. But I'll ask you this, uh, the walking contradiction that Tony is, in his first Facebook post claimed that every time he came to the studio, not once, but dozens and dozens and dozens of times, left here with $55 in his pocket, coming all the way from Maine to Boston, and paid $90 for a rental car to do it. Does that make sense to any of you? Does that make sense at all? So I think Tony realized he sounded like a fool, and when he was on this talk show over the weekend, he upped it. He started to make $200, and he was insulted. I mean, God, I know I would be. He was insulted that he had to pay for his own dinner. 
can you imagine going to work and having to pay for your own lunch and dinner? I'd be highly insulted. Every day I'm here, I'm fed three square meals a day, right? I'm sure that's how life treats you at home. So anyway, Tony, again, what is the reality of the situation? When you, with your hand on a Bible, when you left the studio in February of 2001, how much did you leave within your pocket? How much more was it than 55? How much more was it than 200? Now, to be fair, maybe Tony doesn't remember the number precisely. I'm cool with that. But Tony, is it fair to say you left with substantially more than either 55 or $200 when you were here in February of 2001? And I asked the same question about your visit in January of 2021, your visit here the day after Christmas, when the studio staff was kind enough to accommodate your need uh, for financial resources and everybody came in the day after Christmas to do your talk shows. How much did you leave with that night? Um, when you were here in November, how much did you leave with in your pocket in October? And if WWE Hall of Famer Tony Atlas, if bodybuilding Hall of Famer Tony Atlas was treated so bad, why did he come back to back weeks in September, not once, but twice for this abuse to be paid so poorly and lose money and be paid next to nothing? Why would he come back to back weeks? Now, again, there are a lot of fans out there that want to believe the WWE superstar they know from TV. They like that personality they know from TV, whether it be his athletics, his interviews, and that's cool, I get that. But just because someone was on WWE television doesn't mean uh, that they're being exactly an honest, truthful person. Or, let's be fair, maybe Tony just has a really bad memory and forgot everything that's gone on over the past six years. I don't think that's the case. I think Tony genuinely has a very good memory. But we'll play devil's advocate. We'll give, you know, we'll give Tony a fighting chance that he's not a complete and utter liar. So again, I ask my friends that uh, host this show that the, my only interaction with them ever was when they tried to uh, acquire the private footage of the Marty disaster, <laughs> the Marty Gennetti live watch-along disaster when Marty was having a tough time recovering from ankle reconstructive surgery that I didn't want to share with people. Um, so... Marty was hip to the blade about that, which was great. But anyway, I want to continue to ask my, I want to continue to give my friends material to work with Tony. I'm giving you an episode that you're going to get people to watch. You, I, I want to thank you. I want to thank you. I'm giving you the material. Ask Tony Atlas how often Tony would call us asking us to use him on a Friday night to come to this studio to help cover his expenses when he had weekend personal appearances in the tri-state area new york new jersey pennsylvania how many times did tony call us looking to come down where we did him a favor by having him in the studio even if we recorded footage at that point in time we didn't need you have to remember at one point we didn't have just one episode a week with tony we had so much footage we had two that was a gift to tony not to say that he didn't you know, put in his time and put together some interesting interviews when he was here, but we didn't necessarily need them. We certainly didn't need to do it twice a week. That's why we put Marty on Thursday night. That took that second Tony time slot. So again, I'd like my friends that host the show to ask Tony with his hand on a Bible, how many times Tony called us asking to come to this studio, not vice versa. All right, we continue. Um, I think I already asked this. Between uh, his efforts here in the studio, the, the cyber autograph signings, the photos, his drawings, and his personal appearances. How much would Tony leave with uh, when he went back to Maine from this TV studio? If Tony is a good 
person he'll answer, and if you hosts are good men, if you're honest men, you'll ask the question. Uh, as Tony continues to put out a lot of fictitious information, ask Tony Atlas how much he was paid when he worked at live wrestling events. Um, that turned into an issue because Chairman Neil Manolian couldn't stand Tony. He found him to be overwhelming, overbearing, and created a lot of stress and headaches when he was around, especially uh, as we tried to wrap events up uh, when he would be with us. So if you'd like, if you want another maybe interesting answer from Tony, have him put the hand on the Bible and answer that one. When Tony worked fan fests and conventions with us, ask Tony Atlas, put the hand on the Bible, how much he was paid for those. Um, typically, when a third party vendor or an agent sets up an appearance for some of these talents, they genuinely take 15 to 20% for their time and efforts to try and set everything up to make income for this person. So I'm gonna throw this one out there again with Tony Atlas's hand on a Bible. Ask Tony how much money Dan Marotti took from him when I took the time to set up personal appearances for him, uh, birthday parties and private functions, personal training sessions, and wrestling seminars. Ask him how much money Dan Marotti took from him. Was it 15%, 20%, or out of all four of those different categories I just described, was it zero dollars? Because I'm gonna tell you this, with my hand on a Bible, it was zero dollars. I never took a penny from him to set up any of those things. Nor would I, because I considered Tony to be my friend. Uh, when Tony came to the studio and we did cyber autograph signings, the idea was, well, we'll do a 50-50 split. He loved it. But between the studio costs, printing the photos, the online fees, and the taxes, does Tony really think it was a 50-50 split? It wasn't even close to it, because we were covering his costs. And I don't think he's that dumb that he doesn't realize it, so I guess he just didn't appreciate it. For Tony's artwork, with a, another point of contention for the Hall of Famer, again, with his hand on the Bible, ask Tony how much does it cost uh, and how much time does it take to promote one of his pieces? Uh, how much of a percentage does the online platform take once one sells? How much does PayPal take for credit card processing? How much is taken out in taxes that I had to pay? Ask him. See if he has any idea or if he's just going to play dumb or whatever the response may be. Then, think about this. Now, this goes for anybody, the host of this program, fans watching. Imagine you pay Tony Atlas to do a personal drawing for you. What Tony does is, before he gives it to you, he goes to, I think it's a, a FedEx copying place, and he has 11 by 17 prints made up. He'll then go off to his different independent shows, uh, conventions, autograph signings, whatever they may be, and he'll sell the prints that you paid him to make, or I should say he'll sell prints of the drawing you paid him to make for 40 to $50. For infinity, because he, just, he can print as many as he wants at any time that he wants to. That's not a little shady, Tony. You know, if I had a nice custom drawing made, I'd want it to be for me, not for you to make prints of it to sell to every Tom, Dick, and Harry you ever come across at a live event. I don't know, maybe that's something the hosts of this talk show would like to bring up. Ask Tony, and this is a stickler to me, ask Tony if I ever said I wanted him to lose his social security check, ever. As I have said countless times on this program, all I've ever wanted is for Tony to have the best life possible. As Tony has said numerous times on this program, as you can see in the hundreds of episodes we have online, Tony 
himself said, Dan Morella, Dan Morella is my only friend. He's the only one that opened his wallet to me and tried to help me pay my mortgage. So which one was it, Tony? Were you lying then or were you lying now? I don't want to see you lose your Social Security check. I just don't want to pay your taxes, nor should I. Doesn't that make sense to anyone out there, even if you are a Tony Atlas fan? Why should I pay Tony Atlas's taxes on his work? Doesn't make sense. But I never wanted to see Tony Atlas lose his Social Security check. All I've wanted Tony Atlas to do is the work for the money he was paid. And he has ignored, since February, hundreds of phone calls and text messages. The only way to really get through to him is with his hillbilly friend up in Maine. So, I don't know. I tell you this, I'll ask you another one. If you want to slap that hand down on the Bible, ask Tony Atlas how many times when he was leaving in private, I took him aside and said, Tony, do you need any money for anything? Do you need an advance for anything? Because I genuinely wanted to help him. He lost half of the home's income when his wife suffered the stroke, losing her social security check for the uh, health care and losing her job as a seamstress. So, again, if you're honest people, I think you'd want to ask those questions. Um, ask Tony why, if he was treated so bad, why did he continue to come back to this studio dozens and dozens and dozens of times over six years for either 55 or 200 or whatever the next number is he creates? Why would he keep coming back if it was so bad? It doesn't make any sense to me. He's a WWE Hall of Famer. He's in two bodybuilding Hall of Fames. Why would he need to be mistreated so bad by us for so many years, dozens of times? It, it, it doesn't comprehend to me. Because it's not true. But I mean, it, it just, it shouldn't make sense to you because you act like you believe it. And there are certain fans, because he's a WWE Hall of Famer, are going to take everything he says at face value. But I'm going to ask you that, folks. If you were mistreated that bad, would you keep coming back dozens and dozens of times, month after month after month after month, sometimes more than once a month, for years? Doesn't make a lot of sense. Again, that's just me. Again, to try and show uh, Tony's character and integrity, ask Tony why he stole $300 from Rocky Johnson when Rocky uh, forwarded him some money via Western Union to help pay his mortgage. He saw Rocky in person at a live independent event in uh, Pennsylvania. Then after they were paid by the promoter, Tony put on his running shoes and he got out of PA pretty quick, stiffing old Rocky on the 300. Now, you know what, we'll be fair. I think Rocky Johnson can live without that 300, considering how much his son is making in Hollywood right now. But it's, it's the, the point of the matter. You know, Rocky, for all his... Uh, positives and negatives, he tried to help Tony, and Tony ran off on him, and he was insulted by that, which is why Rocky buried him in an interview that he did before he passed away. Ask Tony Atlas why on this very program, Wrestling Insiders, that Tony has praised Vince McMahon at times, and then other times he's called him a racist-ass bastard that called him the N-word regularly. Which one is it? Do you have a lot of praise for someone that calls you the N-word regularly and, and is a racist-ass bastard? Which one is Vince McMahon? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Ask, with his hand on the Bible, ask Tony Atlas how many times Tony robbed people up in Maine to try and get drug money. Uh, again, which he admitted to verbally on this very program. You know, is that a high-quality individual that goes around robbing people and hijacking them for money to go and buy drugs and get high? I don't know. I've never done it. Have you? 
I don't know. And then, you know, I was reminded of this uh, clip, which we'll take you to right now. Again, words coming from Tony's own mouth. Well, I could tell you some story and make your head spin, brother. I, I know a lot of rats. I'm not going to call the name. This was a gimmick in my day in the 70s now. They give it called a micket. Yeah. You put it in a girl drink, she fall out the board and run a train on her. She would come to the room to be with one wrestler. He would he would give her a micket. She fall out. He would call the other wrestler, hey man, I got some ass up here. Y'all come on up and get yourself. Here you got this girl laying on the bed. Uh, uh, don't even know where the hell she at. Guys taking the turns on her. I have seen that. Gang rape. Just gang rape. That what that have went on in wrestling for decades. Decades. That's how Vince Jr. took over. It was in the 80s. I have seen women get raped many, 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 many times by wrestlers. I could call some names, but I ain't going to do it because they got family. They old now. But I know a lot well, of they're guys. rapists. Oh, man, I know this one wrestler, and people pay him fifteen to $20,000, $60,000 for his autograph. And he used to get women to put them out and stick all type of objects up in them and ruin them. They had to go to doctor when this man got through with them. Woo! So to our friends in New York, sunglasses at night, I ask you this. Ask Tony why on this very Wrestling Insiders program he has had such great praise for Ric Flair, but yet he talks about uh, watching Ric uh, violate, sexually violate these women with different objects and toys and quote-unquote ruin them, which I presume means their body parts. That's someone you think is a great guy because he went out and bought you a drink? Or is he lying? Which one is it? Did Rick harm these women? Or is Tony lying? I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't know. Then also in that uh, same clip, where were we now? Uh, I, again, to show the high-class uh, individual that Tony is, Tony discusses all of the gang rapes that he used to watch uh, in his early days in wrestling. Now, I've never seen anyone be raped, thankfully, but I'd like to think, if I did, I would A, try to stop it, or B, contact the police. Tony made it sound like he sat there and ate popcorn while it happened, hoping one of them would walk on him. Now, what does that say about him? He watched gang rapes, and I, I believe he said he's watched them over and over and over again. My friends in New York, is that something that you condone? And you're not going to ask him about it? Or are you just going to shrug your shoulders and say, geez, we have a unique guest? that'll give us a, an opportunity to, to bash Boston wrestling. Those words came from Tony's mouth. You just heard it right there because, again, we came across the clip. He just, he, I guess Tony found gang rape to be suitable on these young women where he wouldn't try to stop it and he didn't call the police. I think that says a lot about his character right there. But, again, one man's opinion. Um, in the end of the day, again, Tony blatantly stole money. For a live event, Saturday night, November the 13th at Memorial Hall, back to the 80s WrestleFest. When we celebrate 20 years of this great organization, he stole money for podcasts. He wanted to do this world news uh, type show online. I know a lot of fans, including myself, didn't want to hear Tony's political takes on a wrestling talk show, so we were going to create that platform. I made the mistake of paying him in advance to do it. Tony took money for drawings he didn't do. He screwed our good friend Michael down in Australia, which still bothers me, and I still want to get that drawing. Um, you know, and then he has the audacity to put that BS on the internet that I'm trying to get a social security check stolen from him, or that I, he would leave here with $200 or $55 in, 
and there are some people that actually that don't know us that believe it. Wrestling fans, Tony Atlas is full of bullshit, let me tell you that. And I am talking to a very interesting person that wants to be a guest on the show that could tell you far more about the real Tony Atlas than I could. Um, I hope to have this person on, uh, maybe if not tonight, in the very near future. Um, so I'm going to look at it like this because I'm still trying to navigate things here. I feel like I have given sunglasses at night um, the chance to really have an in-depth discussion with Tony. You know, they think they're getting one over on us, having fun, laughing, you know, all those big mustache twirling villains in Boston that have abused Tony Atlas and Marty Gennetti. Ask him some of those questions and give him an old Bible. You know, he wears the, uh, the cross that his lovely wife, Monica, made for him. Ask him the question. So right now we're going to take a time out. When we come back, we're either going to have a classic episode of Wrestling Insiders at your house or maybe my special guest. With that said, folks, right now I'm going to take a brief time out. We'll be right back. Tickets are on sale now at bostonwrestling.com for our 20th anniversary Back to the 80s WrestleFest Saturday, November the 13th at Memorial Hall in Melrose, Mass. The World Wrestling Federation was live at the Capitol Center in Landover, Maryland, Saturday, August the 17th, 1985. In the opening contest, Johnny V beat Steve Lombardi, Cousin Jr., with the win over Moondog Spot. Adorable Adrian Adonis defeated Tony Gurria. Terry Funk, victorious over Salvatore Balomo. Junkyard Dog and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat defeated Magnificent Don Morocco and Mr. Fuji. The Hart Foundation with the win over Sweet Hansen and Leaping Lanny Pawfall. Macho Man Randy Savage defeated Rick McGraw. And in the main event, the WWF World Champion Hulk Hogan retained the title over Brutus Beefcake. If you were in Landover Live, share your memories in the comment section below. Use the links in the description box to keep wrestling legends working in our eBay store and on our world-renowned Patreon streaming service so we can bring you more interactive superstar shoot interviews to relive the good old days of professional wrestling check it out boston wrestling sports in the mwf explodes into a new year with professional wrestling content galore and need you to join our family every tuesday night at 10 p.m after our monday night raw review it's wrestling insiders at your house with wwe hall of famer mr usa tony atlas wednesday nights at 10 p.m after nxt and aew join rotating legends on wrestling insiders special edition Every Thursday night at 10 p.m. after our NXT and Dynamite review, it's Marty Jannetty's No Holds Barred Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll Journey on Wrestling Insiders Party with Marty. Friday night after SmackDown, don't miss John Cena Sr.'s Wrestling Insiders Fabulous Fridays. Plus, look for classic clips, history videos, bonus live episodes, pay-per-view watch-alongs, and more. For less than a cup of coffee at Starbucks, get early ad-free access to our Wrestling Insider talk shows, our acclaimed studio shoot interview DVD library, and help keep wrestling legends working during the worst of times. Join our growing family at patreon.com backslash Boston Wrestling. Expect the unexpected in 2021. Wrestling fans around the corner, around the world, I'm Dan Marotti. And I'm Mr. USA WWE Hall of Famer, Tony Atlas. The road to WrestleMania has begun. Wrestling fans are looking to add to their man caves. You got to see what we have in the eBay store. Check it out. 
arguably the greatest professional wrestler of all time. Get this limited edition collector's autograph print personally signed by two-time WWE Hall of Famer Nature Boy Ric Flair inscribed 16 times for each of his recognized world championship reigns. One of only 50 made direct from our friends at WWE. Also signed by original artist Rob Schamberger. Help keep wrestling legends working. Get this awesome Ric Flair collectible for your wrestling collection now. Wrestling fans, especially here in the Boston area, we want to thank our great friends at Red Rose for their support for all of our charitable endeavors and programming efforts. Red Rose is two years young and extremely thankful for all the support they've had from our neighbors here in Melrose and beyond for an amazing first two years. Red Rose thanks Melrose and all of the first responders who have fought the good fight and have never given up hope during these unprecedented times, we did it together. Follow Red Rose on Facebook for their anniversary special, facebook.com backslash Red Rose Melrose. You'll be glad you did. Open until 2 a.m. Red Rose will give you fresh, piping hot, mouth-watering food that'll put an ear-to-ear -ear smile on even the toughest critic's face. Check out their full menu online at redrosema.com or give them a call. 781-620-1889. Wrestling fans, we promised you a good one for those that are not familiar with Boston wrestling and have automatically sided with Tony Atlas because he was a WWE superstar, not knowing the real human being behind that superstar persona. Well, here is something uh, to reconsider that point of view with. On Sunday night when I got home from our Summer Slam 89 watch-along, we were contacted by Tony Atlas's daughter-in-law, who is furious about some of the things that Tony said about her online and hearing about uh, what he's been saying about us after we were so good to Tony. The following uh, is a telephone call that Tony's daughter recorded uh, between her and Tony's wife, her mother, Monica White, a.k.a. Monica Atlas, about living with what sounds like a very controlling, overbearing, and dominating Tony Atlas. Uh, Tony's daughter-in-law shared many more stories with me via email, um, I've invited her to share those stories from her own voice on this talk show if she so chooses. I think it's unfair if I do it. They're her stories, her experiences, her observations. I think she should share those if she wants to. Um, so for now, hear from the lovely Mrs. Atlas herself uh, what it's like living with a man uh, that apparently cheated on her and apparently has many children across the country. Uh, again, from his wife's own mouth. This is how... Uh, she was treated by a homeless Tony Atlas that she found living under a park bench in the winter when Tony hit rock bottom in 1990, I'm sorry, 1989. Uh, if, and I do say if because there are two sides to every story, but if true, it really showcases Tony Atlas's true colors behind closed doors. Again, I want to say I find this very, very sad and disappointing it got to this level. Since we've known Tony, all we've ever wanted to do is produce great content with him. I help him have an easier life with extra income to pay his mortgage and his other bills with, and for Tony to simply fulfill his obligations for work he was paid to do, like any of us do at our regular jobs, day in, day out, in or out of professional wrestling. This is the path Tony chose. This is the karma that Tony Atlas created. Okay. Hello. Hi, how are you doing? I'm all right, how are you? You feel better? Yeah, I feel fine. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, because I was really heavy-hearted today. 
because I had so many things to do, and then there were so many revelations that was amazing. Uh, you know, so many things that you said, wow. You know, I got to tell you this, because because you are a woman, and you understand men just as well as I didn't. <laughs> in, in your, your age, okay? You know, finally, the, the is lifted with right. this one here. And in general, do you know why he calls me every day when he's out and why he always wants to know where I'm at? Right. Because he's afraid that I spend money. Yeah. Even that it is my own money that I'm spending. Yeah, because he sees yours as his. Huh? Because he sees yours as his. Yeah, you know, but I don't do that with these. He's spending on shoes. He's spending on dining and whining them it's and playing the big shot. It's because he sees you as a resource. He sees me as a resource? Resource. Oh, resort. Resource. As the last, re the, the last resort? No, as a resource. A resource, resource, yes. Yeah, yesterday before he left, he came with flowers and roses and, you know, because he knows when he has over overdone it, you know, all this mistrust and all this stupidity I got to go through with this outfit, right. you know. And uh, then he comes, oh, you know, I mean it and I'm sorry and this and this and this. He's mental. He's mental. You know, because he has nobody else to run to, you know, and he, oh, all the others before, I don't want to go to races, but they were all black that cleaned them out, okay? Yeah. He took yeah. the money force and then he kicked them in the ass, you know, after he found out he was incurable. Yeah. You know, so, and, and now I got a thicker skin, actually, you know, I can endure quite a bit. But after a while, it's nerve-wracking, too, if I cannot even go to the store and do my business. He's getting to that point. I can't even take care of my sewing business. He tells me, oh, you could have picked that stuff up tomorrow. Right. You know, who in the hell is he to tell me when to do my sewing business? He is so out of, he is totally out of control. Because he you has know? that power. He has the power over you. Yeah, because I don't know where to go after he stole all my money. Well, you can come here. Yeah, but I gotta play for pay for the for the airplane too. Well, I can figure that out. Right. Well, anyway, and then I got so much over ten years. You know, the uh, everything that accumulated. Yeah. I mean, I have I have a computer, I have a printer, I have I have my sewing machine, my sewing room. I got a business here. You know, and it's doing me good if he wouldn't be such a pain in the ass. Well, pack it up a little at a time and send it and then come here. Yeah, how much is a plane to it? Um, how much? How much? Yeah, tell me how much it is. I'll tell you. Hold on. 
Yeah, it's not that easy.
In other words, he's getting old, you know, and that is bothering him too, but it isn't my fault. Then he got to go and put himself on a diet, you know. Yeah. You cannot go and pot smoke and eat a whole pot of, of beans and have frankfurters and then, and then expect to and expect to lose weight. Of course not. He, he, the man has no willpower for anything. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And I'm always the last anchor. The anchor for the sinking ship. <laughs> yeah. You like sinking ships for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> so much shit. That's why I like shit. No, I ship, I said. I, I know. I said you like sinking ships. Oh, yeah, yeah, the pirate, right? Yeah, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I'm the pirate. Yeah, pirate, pirate, yeah. Pirate, pirate, yeah. 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 Yeah, I know, it's, it's ridiculous, you know, it's ridiculous. And then I I got to be the psychiatrist and, you know, play like, oh, this is also wonderful and he's so great. And then in the meanwhile, you know what I'm really thinking, right. you know. But I, you, I, I, See, you know, because I'm I'm starting to get my short shit here together. And you know, in ten years, twenty years, oh. I would think a lot of stuff has accumulated, you know, that I liked. I got a book collection, very expensive books, you know. I have beautiful clothes, you know, I got all the things that a woman really would love to have. Right. I even got a ukulele. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I can play that with, with uh, not Devin. Right. Devin can show me how to play the ukulele. Oh, there you go. See? And then I go to Berlin and play the ukulele on the corner. Um, okay. And <laughs> <laughs> you can sing. And then we put a part, we put a part, metal part in the, in a, you know, in front on the street. Yeah. and sit on the street and we make our music and then we say well this is the new millionaire out of the USA yeah. <laughs> the new the new generation <laughs> the new wealthy wealthy generation out of the US right. <laughs> yeah yeah that's how far we got okay yeah, yeah well Anyway, but I wanted to tell you, have you looked into that book for these berries? No. Have you looked in how much, if you want to sell your house, how much it was worth, or if you have any profit? Yeah. I have you ever thought about that, that that, that you I might can I'm, sell it for profit? No, I'm going to die there. <laughs> Is that a joke, or are you for real? No, I'm not moving. That's for real. <laughs> oh, so, okay, so you love it that much. I already told you I'm I'm done moving. Yeah, I know I know what you're saying, right? Right. After all these years, of course. Yeah. You know, and then starting all over again with fifty, you know, that is not actually not easy going. either. No, I'm not doing that. Okay, so I gotta, you know. All right. Okay. I'm not <laughs> I hope to hold Friggin' Germany. You know, with just. You know, yeah, then I you have to go to other stuff too. I would right? love to see it again. I would love to visit and be free to move around. But I'm not going right. to move back there. What for? Right. I don't know anybody there. Not that I know many people here, but... There never will be. I ever. I just went when I had enough from one place. I just went to a lake. 
I didn't know if I cared a language or whatever, I made it. Right. Well, somehow. that's different when you're 20-something, but I'm going to be 50 here pretty soon in another year. So I Yeah, but I'm 70 and I'm supposed to move. Yeah, but look at your situation, too. Well, yes. Yeah, my situation, yeah. Could be okay. My situation could be okay. If I had a different kind of a more understanding and more not so selfish husband. Yeah, but he's always been that way. Yeah, but I didn't realize that what he was anyway. And besides, we got, I be totally honest with you, I was never in love with him. I know. Oh, it didn't really hurt. It didn't hurt. It hurts only when I get left that I'm supposed to be treated. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. I, I'm supposed to be treated decent. Mm-hmm. You know, but he can't get over that racism. He can't get over the racism. And I'm sick and tired of it because we went to the same thing we went through, okay? Yeah, Two world wars, hunger. Okay, when he talks about they eat all the shanks from the animal and the, the pigs that we slaughtered and that nice out picnics and all We were eating uh, dry bread with margarine, right, and a little marmalade on it. That was my, our food. So talking about, talking about misery, okay? I can show you misery. I know. So, so I, I don't want to talk about that right now. I'm back in the house now. I'm sorting my things out, you know. And then that guy pesters me constantly with that computer. And I need $100 to have that computer back fixed up to make it working again, you know. Every time I turn around, something else comes up. So... Oh, by the way, you're talking about that. I went today. It's no problem with the passport. I got all the passports. They're doing it right in Office Max. You know, the next time he's he going out of town, I'm going to Office Max. Otherwise, he's going to make a pain out of himself. He may be my pain in the ass for the whole day being there, you know. So I got to do that by myself. And I took him with me to the, to the passports, right? I had all the passports with me for me. And you on the backside, you know, uh, your name is on it as my daughter, so it's all clear. You know, it's just now finding some, uh, I mean, finding a place where you got to go. There I have a day or two for myself, you know, when I can do my own things. You understand? Without him sticking his nose into my business, such as not his, you know. But the way I feel anyway, I think he wants to go to some some woman in the South that he knows and he thinks he got children with and she she keeps on telling him that the babies are his and she he tells me that she was a one-night stand when he was wrestling, you know. And he has so many children everywhere and so many affairs everywhere. The man uh, can dig his out. <laughs> it's going to stick out of his grave. <laughs> How old are they? Huh? How old are these kids? How old these kids? Yeah, the ones that. Oh, the about the about his age now, but but the all the think he's this great big like way back, oh. and he got money and he plays still the the big kahuna, you know, with them with them because you know. And if they really do it, really know the truth that they could, if they be kind, they could send him money, <laughs> you know. 
Oh, it's a, it's a, if I had known all that shit, I tell you, yeah, I would have, I would have been 